1: Now there are some things that God said people should not touch and there are other things that God said people should enjoy in moderation. The Bible does not forbid drinking wine and even in a few cases commends it, but it strongly condemns drunkenness.
0: That's where we left off yesterday here on Study Verse by Verse as Pastor Layton was taking us through the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine at a wedding. We'll have more in just a moment. Thanks for coming along on this Friday as we wrap up another week in the book of John. If you've missed any of our past broadcasts, our studies in the book of John, well, you'll find them on the website, and I'll have details about that at the end of the broadcast.
1: Now, it's important for us to recognize the Bible does tell us there are times when it's wrong to drink alcohol. For instance, it's wrong to drink if it causes someone else to stumble. Romans 14, 20 says, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. So you see, although you may not have a problem with alcohol, somebody else might. They might be a recovering alcoholic, or they might have some weakness towards alcohol. And that's why we as a church family have made it a policy not to serve alcohol at church functions. It's not because we want to believe or teach that alcohol is evil, but rather because we don't want to cause anyone to stumble. You know, over the years, I've had a number of people come from other church backgrounds where they serve wine at communion. And they mentioned being surprised at receiving simple grape juice when they first take communion with us. Well, we serve simple grape juice because we don't want to cause anyone to stumble. Because it, 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 for some people, all it may take is one sip of alcohol to reignite a dangerous appetite. It's also wrong to drink alcohol if it results in a loss of self-control. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated or controlled by anything. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit be controlled by the Holy Spirit, not by the spirits, if you will. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Another occasion. The Bible tells us that we as Christians should obey our government. We should be good citizens. Except, of course, when the government asks us to do something that's contrary to God's law. Because God's law is always the the most highest law. But our government is mandated Things like we should not drink and drive. And people under certain age should not drink. So we should be good citizens and we should follow the laws of the land. These are but a few examples of circumstances under which it's important for us to understand that there are times when it's wrong to drink. There are other examples as well. You know, it's important, I think, as well for us to know about the dangers of alcohol. Uh, There are some statistics on alcohol that had been assembled by Pastor Mark Driscoll. He said that there are 100,000 alcohol-related deaths every year in this country, making it the number three cause of preventable mortality. Over 7% of people 18 and under have a drinking problem. 8.1 million people are alcoholics. The highest rate of alcoholism for those is between the ages of 18 and 29. 43% of U.S. adults have been exposed to alcoholism in their family, mother, father, aunt, uncle, cousin, so forth. 62%, almost two-thirds of high school seniors, have been drunk at some time. 31%, half the number, about a third, of high school seniors have had five-plus drinks in a row in the last two weeks. 37%, about one-third of rapes and sexual assaults involve use of alcohol by the offender. And... Fetal alcohol syndrome is the number one cause of mental retardation in the Western world. These statistics should cue us that there are real dangers about the abuse of alcohol. And there are people who have had their lives impacted by alcohol in very profound ways. I was just talking with somebody this week who had been arranging his brother's funeral. And abuse of alcohol had contributed to his brother's death. My friend said he was the only one in his family that had not dissipated their lives in a drunken stupor. He had very strong feelings about alcohol. He didn't want anything to do with it, and for good cause. In my, uh, when I was in Bible college, I took an internship at a church in Southern California, and while I was there, I celebrated my 21st birthday. One of the pastors thought it would be a good idea to give me a bottle of wine to celebrate my 21st birthday. So he gave it to me, I took it home, stuck in the refrigerator of the home that I was renting a room out of, went out and took care of things, came back that evening, and the landlord of the house was waiting for me. Very, very, very angry. He didn't want that alcohol in his home, and I just about got launched out of his home because his son, I don't remember the details, was killed in an auto accident by a drunk driver or something had to do with alcohol. He didn't want it in his home. You know It's important for us to recognize there's some people who have some very deep injuries related to alcohol. They have very strong feelings of that. They might have grown up as a child in fear because mom or dad came home drunk and they never knew what to expect. And we need to be sensitive about people who've lived in those kinds of environments. Pastor Greg Laurie uh, told us about his situation with his mom uh, when we got together for his simulcast. People, some people have very sensitive Feelings towards alcohol. We need to be sensitive to each other. There's a third sign, a third lesson. The lesson is this that God cares, that Jesus cares, and He wants to protect us from embarrassment. Did you notice that Jesus, all of Jesus' miracles met very practical needs in people's lives? He opened blind eyes, He opened deaf ears. Uh, He delivered people who were oppressed by demons. He fed hungry people. All of his miracles were meeting specific needs in people. It wasn't just for looks that Jesus did his miracles. And if Jesus had not performed this miracle on this day, this young couple would have been the brunt of many cruel jokes for years to come. Jesus said, My time has not yet come for my glory to be revealed, but this couple is in need. This poor couple is in need, and I'm going to meet that need. In fact, I am going to meet that need abundantly. Think about it. Jesus turned water into wine. 120 to 180 gallons of fine wine. That's a lot of wine. You know, when the grace of Jesus comes to man, there's enough. And more to spare for all. There is no need on earth that, exhaust, that can exhaust the grace of Christ. There is a superabundance of grace in Jesus Christ. Fourth sign, fourth lesson. God brings things into being fully matured. Did you notice this wine didn't come through the typical process of making wine? Now think about the natural process of making wine that Jesus bypassed. Okay, Seeds get dropped in the ground. They get watered. They get radiated with the sun. There's the harvest. There's the squeezing of the grapes into containers, and there's aging. All of these processes, taking months, compressed into a few moments of time. Jesus can do that. God can do that. God can do anything. Think about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 with fish and loaves of bread. You know, preparing lunch, fish lunch, takes time, right? The fish have to be conceived, born, grow, be fed, be caught, Flayed, cooked over a fire, months of preparation compressed into the time it took Jesus to pray. Jesus can do that. God can do that. God can do anything. When we read the creation story, there's no mention of Adam running around in diapers. Okay, God can create a fully formed, mature man out of dust in one day. God can do anything. He brings things into being, if he chooses, fully matured. Lesson number five, sign number five. If you want to see miracles, be a servant. If you want to see miracles, be a servant. Verse 9 says, The master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from. He didn't know where it came from. The guests didn't know where it came from. Only the disciples and the servants who drew the water knew what the miracle had taken place. You know, people who only sit in the pews of a church rarely get to see miracles. If you want to know, if you want to experience where the action is, become a servant. Get involved in ministry in the church family. That's where the action is. That's where you're going to see the miracles take place. And if you'd like to explore becoming a servant, I want to invite you to the membership class this Wednesday, 7 o'clock, here at the church. We can talk about opportunities for ministry. Now, you remember verse 17 of chapter 1. It says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's a contrast of the ministries of Moses and Jesus Christ. you remember what Moses' first miracle was? Turning water into blood. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's a huge contrast, isn't it? So now we can see what the author is teaching us. See, every story that he chooses, every sign that he chooses, does not just tell us about something that Jesus did once. In fact, we know in many cases he did the miracles that are mentioned in this gospel more than once. It was on more than one occasion he fed more than uh, four or 5,000 people. It was on more than one occasion that he healed someone and so forth. So what the author here is, is telling us is he's, he's pointing us to not something that was done once, but something that Jesus continues to do today. What he wants us to see here is that, that it was, it's not that Jesus once on a day turned some water pots of water into wine. He wants us to see that whenever Jesus comes into a person's life, there's a new quality like turning water into wine. Without Jesus, life is dull and flat, but when Jesus comes into it, it becomes vivid and sparkling. Without Jesus, life is drab and uninteresting, but with him it's thrilling and exhilarating. And so this particular sign, this miracle, signifies that there's a transforming power associated with Jesus. He turns the water of Judaism into the wine of Christianity, the water of Christlessness and godlessness into the wine of a rich and full life and life eternal, the water of the law into the wine of the gospel. It signifies the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen,
0: indeed. And with that, Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno wraps up another message from the book of John. He's in a lengthy series, and we'll come back on Monday with more. I hope you can join us. These are daily visits, and you can find out more about us and listen to past broadcasts. When you go to the website Highlands.us, that's Highlands.us. You can also join with us as a financial partner. You're a key ingredient in not only getting the word out about the broadcast and inviting others to listen in, but also help us pay the bills. You can give safely at Highlands.us. Have a blessed rest of your day and weekend. And come back on Monday when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse. I'm Mike Trout, and this broadcast is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in
1: San Bruno.